Hey friends, welcome to our first episode of With a Splash of Jesus. I'm your host, Jordan. We are here for a great conversation. This week we have Jordan and Krista Kearns. Jordan and Krista are a married couple with a deep passion for nurturing their relationship, raising their two boys, and embracing the adventures that life has to offer. Jordan Kearns is a devoted pastor. In addition to his pastoral duties, Jordan has a fervent interest in farming. Krista Kearns is an accomplished professional. Her career adds a fresh perspective to others as she delves into topics related to work-life balance, personal fulfillment, and the challenges faced by working parents, and has been leading worship for 20 years. Together, Jordan and Krista provide valuable insights and strategies for building a strong and beautiful marriage. Here's this week's conversation with Jordan and Krista Kearns. We are here with Jordan and Krista Kearns, and I am really excited for the knowledge that they're bringing to the table today. So let's get started. Jordan, what are you currently reading in the Bible? Well, hey, Jordan. It's great to be here. Jordan, Jordan. Yeah, we both spell our names the same. How cool is that? It's the proper way. It's the right way. D-A-N. Yeah, most definitely. So yeah, that's fun to start off with. I like that. You know, over the course of time, I I haven't put a lot of emphasis in my journey with Jesus on the Bible, which now in my older days, I look back and think, oh, man, this is um, this is kind of indicative of my Bible knowledge. And so your question is really, really, really good. I've I've my mantra has been to not pick up a necessarily a book from a church pastor or anything like that, but to right now to pick up the Bible first and foremost. So. Us as a church, we've been on Philippians. And so that's kind of where I've lived over the past month. I brought the message last weekend. And uh, yeah, Philippians is kind of where I've been landing with Paul's writing there. What's God been teaching you in that? Yeah, uh, specifically, Philippians is like, man, it just hits home. There's so many like strong Bible verses of the faith in that. I've landed on chapter four, verse eight, where Paul talks about like, think about these things. What is true? What is noble? What is right? What is admirable? What is lovely and pure and right? Like so much. So I I've just loved studying that because so much of my struggle has really been with the mind, with my mind specifically. And what Paul talks about is like, hey, if you want the peace of God in which which he talks about earlier in like verse seven. If you want the peace of God, you can't get that get that peace alone if you only give God a piece of your mind, if that makes sense. And so what he's talking about there, like focus on what is true, what is right. Slowly but surely, I'm trying to adapt my life on that. The words have power. So if you're continuing to speak over yourself that like I have the peace of God, you're going to start believing it. So I think that's a really important yeah. nugget that you're yeah. taking away. Yeah. yeah, most definitely. There's a lot that we can put into our minds and then out of our mouth. And if I fade my mind with negativity, outflows negativity, you know, and um, if I'm filtering my mind with these things that Paul's talked about specifically, and then getting that peace of God outflows peace out of my life. What about you, Krista? What have you been reading in the Bible? Well, I had a feeling that he was going to say Philippians. So that's what I've been reading as well. But also I've been reading Luke chapter 11 lately, just wanting to rekindle this urgency of prayer and just refresh what it means to pray. I think I've spent so much praying out of anxiousness or stress and really just wanting to have more of an intimate kind of prayer time with the Father, being more intentional about the space that I create to pray, also being intentional about giving Him space to listen and giving Him space to speak to me so that I can hear versus just coming to the Father with all these things that I need and all these questions that I have and all these desires that I want to see fulfilled in friends and family. So I just kind of wanted to reset, if you will, and make it more intentional and more intimate and not just a request. If our listeners are struggling to create that intimacy with God, what's one piece of advice you could give them in that? Don't put so much pressure on yourself. That's the biggest thing because I feel like we have this idea of what it should look like or how it should look like. And I think that is passed down to us from the church itself or even friends and family. I had to kind of strip that away and just understand that if I'm sitting at my desk working and I take 10 minutes, that can be intimate. Like it doesn't have to be like on my knees in front of a bed or with my Bible open. So relieve yourself of the pressure. And the other piece is to just like be still. Like that's the piece lately that has been the most beneficial for me to find that intimacy is to just be still in his presence and feel him and acknowledge him and hear him. Yeah, I would say that's good. 
Jordan, you might feel this or I know I feel this at times like in prayer life. I've gotten used to talking a lot in my prayers. I think that's good. I think he wants to know every ounce of us, but so much what you were saying to sit and, and just be and rest and listen. That's where I struggle a lot with. And so that's good. I love that out of you. I love that you mentioned the be still part too. I was just in a conversation with someone today where I said, you can literally back God into a corner to get the answer that you want by the way that you pray. And so if you're not being still, if you're not being intentional with listening, okay, God, what do you actually want to tell me? Not what do I want to hear? Right, exactly. And then sometimes you get frustrated when you don't hear what you think you're supposed to hear, because like you said, you're pushing him into a corner and you're expecting your own outcome. But the moment that we shut up and just sit there and say, okay, father, what is it that you want? What is it that you have to say to me? Typically what he tells us is way better than what we are expecting in the first place. That'll preach every day of the week. That's good. Jordan, what are you currently reading? What's currently on your nightstand? Wow. Chris is probably going to interject and be like, you haven't finished a book on your nightstand. (laughs) I have, (laughs) I have many books on my nightstand, honestly. And I kind of, I come and go with what I'm reading. I I will say, uh, I've tried to take in a lot of fiction lately just to kind of clear my mind. Sorry, church world, but to kind of get my mind off of the church world, I I take in some fiction stuff. So I'm really big in the space. I have uh, one, I think it's Craig Nelson, Rocket Men. It talks about the 1960 space race. I'm really, really into that, that type of vibe. And so I've been leafing through that. Uh, one, it's it's a massive book. I, I know I spoke against pastor's books earlier, but I do have one from Levi Lesko here more recent, uh, his Last Supper on the Moon, which is about space race. So I kind of feel like that qualifies yeah. a little bit. So those two are on my nightstand. Both have to deal with NASA. How about that? I'm in the space race. It's cool stuff. What about you, Krista? Oh, well, I don't really do a ton of self-help books, if you will. I'm a Nicholas Sparks fan. So I um, am currently reading The Wish. I just finished a Colleen Hoover book. I'm really starting to dive into her. Which one did you read? Not the quintessential one, though, right? Wasn't there a quintessential? Well, I read Verity like last year, and that was really good. Oh, Reminders of Him. That's the one that I just read. Just did. It ends with us and it starts with us. Okay, I have both of those, and I need to read them before movies come out because I won't watch a movie if there's a book. I have to read the book first. Yeah, shout out. They have really cool... She does really cool artistry, I like, on her book covers. So yeah, yeah, she I does. would read it just for the cover of it, honestly. And they're quick reads. I think I read uh, both of them in like a total of like a day. Gold. Side note, I always read the last chapter (laughs) first. Do you? I do. Why? I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. I just need to know like how the story gets to the end. And sometimes I feel like when you read a story from beginning to end, I mean, it's good, right? But if you know the end, like you're anticipating, like how does it get there? And so I just, it's one of those weird quirks that I've always had. Read the last chapter first. We'll just trust you in that, I guess. I don't yeah, know. I don't know that. I can't help myself. <laughs> <laughs> so Jordan, what is something you are so passionate about? You can't stop talking about uh, it. Right now. I mean, I am a pastor, but this has nothing to do with church and pointing people to Jesus. I'm so sorry. But if you look outside right now, I've been talking about there's been a lack of blue sky this summer. That sounds like dorky. I understand, but it's been on my mind a lot. I was just, I polo uh, a buddy each and every day and uh, I was polling him this morning. I'm like, well, here's your week or your daily weather report on the sky. Still can't see it. And so, yeah, that's, <laughs> it sounds really dorky, but it's true. Plus all these air quality warnings. I yeah. Know, this right? Canada smoke is a lot. No, real quick though. I have been talking to a couple of buddies as well of having a mindset of opportunity and not obligation. That's really been big. The Lord's kind of been working on me. I use that a lot um, when we set up like our, our giving moments at church, you know, don't give out of obligation, give out of the opportunity. And I think that's so, and not just bringing it to like tithing and investment, but having that mindset um, and so many different other things is great. Like spending time with my boys. I don't want to come into that. And I know I have in the past coming at it out of like, okay, it's a Tuesday night. We're going to be home. We have no plans. It's like out of obligation, but the opportunity I get to sit and hear from my boys or them hear from me. I think that uh, obligation opportunity is can reach so far. Having a mindset of I get to, not I have to. Yeah, because y- there's something about you that changes like your body posture. Uh, I was just hearing a... Um, 
uh, a coach yesterday kind of talk about, you know, when I have the opportunity, like your, your shoulders kind of go back. And like, when you say it, you, you kind of sit up straight more than the obligation is like, you know, you crouch your shoulders and it's like, oh, this could be the worst. And it just does a lot out of you. So there's excitement when there's opportunity, there's stress and added weight when it's obligation. What about you, Krista? Well, my answer was been talking a lot about 4-H and dairy feeder calves lately. (laughs) Oh, that's so good. Yes. It is our life, like doing chores in the morning and chores in the afternoon, evening, and like having conversations with our boys about why we're doing 4-H and trying to cut through the whining and complaining of doing chores and all of that. So been spending a lot of conversation with them about, okay, we're not going to whine about this. This is an opportunity. I was go. just going to say, you get to. Come on. We need to speak that into them. Yeah. So that's, you know, more lighthearted answer. But I also have been having a lot of conversations with friends about boundaries and friendships in particular. I'm not so much in, in other areas, but I've, that's been a repetitive question that has come my way lately. How do you have boundaries and friendships? And so I've had some really good heart to heart conversations about that. And boundaries are important in any relationship. So uh, I feel like, you know, you kind of just don't think about boundaries and friendships so much until you're like burned or like frustrated or angry about something. So it's it's great to kind of have those open table conversations with people that are are wanting to build better friendships, better adult friendships. And, you know, how you can accomplish that by creating boundaries. Again, opportunity versus obligation. Am I obligated to go have coffee with somebody or is it an opportunity? Does it feel like an obligation? If it does, then maybe you need to set a boundary and move it to just a short phone conversation or something. But yeah, so a lot of conversation around that and it's all been great. Good stuff coming out. Yeah, so good. I think the more we've gotten older, the more that we valued close relationships. We cast a really wide net in our friend group, that's for sure. But more and more like who I give my time to, who you know will text me and say, hey, I need you right now. I've whittled those people down to just a very small few. And that's kind of a boundary I've created for my life because I try to be a lot of things to a lot of people. And I'll just tell you, like I suck at that. Uh, my quote lately has been, people suck and I suck. And so it's recognizing on both ends that like I'm a part of this too. And so if I can whittle that down and give myself to a few, it's like what Jesus did, right? He had the 12, but then he had his close, close three and nothing, nothing like biblical. I modeled my life or like, this is Jesus's words here. I got to do this. It's just kind of been over the process of getting older and understanding like, wow, I really want depth and in, in growth and relationships. The only way I can do that is by spending time with a few. Yeah. Quality versus quantity is what I've been saying lately. And a small circle is healthier on every individual in in general. Good stuff. Well, let's get into this week's topic. So can you tell us a little bit about your background in your relationship? How long have you been together? When did you meet? All the dirty details. All the dirt. I'm going to let you give all the dates because you know how that is. (laughs) All the years and all that. All the dates. That sounds silly, but it's kind of true. I could probably rat off a couple, but we've both been like, you can add in whenever. We've both been church people. Both our families grew up in the church, local here. We're from Northern Indiana here, Goshen. Like this is, this is where I was raised. You were raised in that weird town called Dunlap or something. It is not a weird town. It's just a portion of Elkhart, but yes, yeah, Dunlap. 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 I'm like, a Concord Minute woman. Yeah. So uh, we both grew up in the church. I'm listeners can't see me. Right. But I am younger than you. And so we both grew up in the church. You were still hanging around church as like a college student and all that. And uh, she was my youth leader and I kind of had a crush on her. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shame, man. No shame. Oh, man. Like, oh. It's true. It's true. I had moved back home from IU and was leading worship again and serving in in youth group, which is what we called it back then. We don't, we call it students now, but youth group. And my sister, who is five years younger than me, was hanging out with Jordan, who is just about six years younger than me. Oh, for sure. If you're liking somebody else and they have a sibling, like friend them first, because that's your way in. That's your way into the person for sure. Good advice. Good advice. (laughs) It was how I got connected with Jordan. I mean, we were obviously at the same church and you definitely didn't want anything to do with me. No, I mean, we had to go to extreme measures for sure, but, uh, she was going to go off to Hillsong and do the whole Hillsong college thing. And, um, I remember leaving a mixed CD on your doorstep with, uh, Berlin, take my breath away. Like that was, yeah, that was on it. And, uh, just ask you to like, Hey, like let's date or I think it was boyfriend and girlfriend at that time. Unlike nowadays, like it was super defined back then. Of like, was it like a check yes or no? 
Yeah. Yeah. Basically. It was the DTR defining the relationship. Oh, nice. Yeah. Like nowadays you could be like, are we dating? And that's like a whole other thing than boyfriend and girlfriend, like all that. Like, I know we were, I asked you to be, uh, you know, my girlfriend and then you didn't end up going to Australia. You stayed, you ended up staying for me. And, uh, yeah, we both served in the local church then together, which was really, really cool. Um, we had opportunity in a negative sense of of walking away from church because we were both kind of got hurt by it because of our relationship and you were older and all that but uh we still gave to our local church and served and i think we both built from that like a an incredible foundation for where we are today and with our family and with our boys and them understanding serving in the local church and and persevering through human hurt yeah it was tough there was a lot of backlash but the most important thing for us was to have our family's approval and to understand, like, is this what God wants for us? And to pursue that without, you know, pursuing any kind of attraction. So, yeah, we persevered through a lot. We, I lost friends. And yeah, you just kind of realize, like, people suck, right? Yeah. <laughs> but you are not there to serve people. You're there to serve the Lord. And if he's called you to something, then you persevere through that. And so... I didn't end up losing any friends, probably because all my guy friends thought it was really cool that I was dating a 22 year old at the time. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Yeah. And we, we dated for four years yeah. prior to getting married. So sure. we we got to know each other well. We, our families got to know each other. We invested in each other and in the church. And then four years later, we got married. And so I'm going to rattle off uh, our date. So we're probably what, 19 years being together and then 15 years being married, right? Yeah. Good job. That's Impressive. Good. Nice know. job. Good job. Thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> So are there couples that you guys have encountered, been mentored by, however you want to put it, that have provided like encouragement in your marriage? Absolutely. There has been couples in our lives that have encouraged us. And that's one of the things that when we talk to married couples, one of the things that we like to encourage, that I think is incredibly important is to find a couple that you can look up to and learn from. Jean and Brenda Troyer for sure have been one of those couples. Oh, shout out. Just giving them a shout out. I love it. For those that know them, like, I mean, it's evident how much they invest in the people in their lives and how much they invest in those marriages. And they're transparent in their marriage in front of, you know, us. So that has always been really beautiful to just kind of see that relationship. Yeah, I would say for them, we came into their lives when we were uh, all on staff together at a previous church. And the way that both of them uh, led their personal lives and then led the church, it was just really attractive, honestly. And I've said it to him a lot. He's my boss nowadays, right? And I've said to him many a times, it's like, uh, I don't consider you a boss. Like I would consider you a friend first. And that's just how that relationship was started and and how it continued, especially coming from how much hurt with leadership in the church um, that we had experienced early on in our dating and, and marriage to see it be healthy and to see it be modeled after. It's like, yeah, it's been really good. It's been phenomenal. And one of the things that I learned from Brenda specifically was she is Brenda Troyer. She's not... Jean's wife. She is her own person. And coming from where we came from, I was just Jordan's wife. Every event, every church thing I was required to be at because I was his wife. I didn't have my own identity. And so Brenda was really influential in helping me understand that in order for a marriage to be successful and a relationship to be successful, you have to know who you are and you can't know who you are if you're just living in the shadow of your spouse and watching her live that out in such a really healthy way, but also to like support and encourage her husband's endeavors. That was life-changing for me. And I think a huge part of the reason why we are successful in our marriage now, because I had no idea who I was. So I was just kind of going along for the ride. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's good. I would think of one more like couple. It was uh, we did premarital counseling with a couple that were family friends. And it was, I don't know, premarital counseling can just get like awkward at times. And oh, to yeah. do that <laughs> with like family members, like, come on, yeah. like. Uh, we won't get into, there was, we had a Q and a on the last session and Krista brought a, huh, like, uh, I was, I was quite embarrassed with the question you brought. And I don't even remember asking the question. So it apologies was, to, to uh, our family friends. I think it was, I think about that relationship and what I saw growing up now, granted, you didn't know them in, until you started hitting me, but what I saw was a husband and a wife passionate about one another and being around one another, 
even as they uh, they grew in their age with one another, it's holding hands and hugs. Like growing up, that was kind of foreign in, in my in my family. Sorry, mom and dad, but it's kind of true, right? And so to see that being lived out and like I can still find my spouse and not just attractive, but well, I mean, in some ways attractive, I think that can go beyond just looks and all that. That was very, that was modeled with them. And so I, to me, they were, they're right up there in, in, in the book of mentors yeah. for sure. Agreed. They're, they're incredible people. And still, you know, we see them and there's just an unwavering adoration yeah. between them. Yeah. They, it's really cool. And they're really big on like championing us. And it's just really cool to see. We all have boundaries that, you know, whether it be like, I need alone time tonight or, you know, the kids have worn me out, whatever it may be. How do you guys respect each other's boundaries? Was it hard at first or is it hard now? I think it's, I don't know. It's, it always seems hard in, in, in some aspect because I mean, you're talking about boundaries boundaries are hard. They're, they're, they're hard. I, I think from the very beginning, when we first got married, I remember kind of leading the conversation like, Hey, summertime comes around. I don't want to change much. I'm a, I like hanging out with people. I'm an active guy. Almost like you're just going to have to kind of get along with me for, for a little while here. But maybe that wasn't the quite like the right thing to say in those moments. But I think identifying and verbalizing some of those things at the core is helpful. I'm not saying leaving and hanging out with your buddies all summer. I, I didn't do that necessarily, right. but I think verbalizing it at the very most is helpful because yeah. there is a lot, a lot of resentment that we're not good at. We're not good at. We're like we're in a busy season or just coming out of one to where we didn't verbalize a lot, but there is we both know at the core of, of who we are in our relationship that is like boundaries are key. Yeah, and, agreed. And I feel like it's always a learning process because your your seasons are gonna change, your life situations are gonna change. And for me, I don't always know what I want or need. Sometimes Jordan knows better for me than I know for myself. But communication is vital in making sure that you state what your boundaries are. Even in just conversations, if Jordan comes to me and has something that he wants to talk about, like I'm a fixer. I always... I always want to fix things and I always want to have a resolution for anybody. So he will have to verbalize to me, okay, I'm just sharing this with you. Like, please don't try to fix it because that's a boundary that he needs in communicating certain things to me. So yeah, just making sure that you're communicating that and making them clear. But then again, like know your spouse well enough to know that, okay, like I can look at Jordan and be like, I know he needs to go outside and just like go mow the lawn and like decompress. Right. And I don't need to be like forcing an agenda for the evening on him and honoring that. It's hard to do sometimes, but I do, I truly believe it's, it's a constant process of understanding your boundaries and understanding your spouse's boundaries and honoring those as best you can. And if a boundary is being crossed and you need to say something, then say it, communicate it. That's the biggest thing is communication. Communication, warm it up before you serve it. There's been times, like I said, we're not good at it. There's been times where a boundary has been crossed by me and there'll be moments or there's there's time in there to where you didn't bring that to me and say, hey, this is what I'm feeling in that moment. And it is just like a ticking time bomb for us, for sure. Me in particular, it's okay to say that. Somebody could debate and argue with me if I'm wrong, but I think it's okay and very needed for both spouses to have boundaries, time away to do their thing that they're uh, maybe energizes them or that they're gifted at and not apologize for it. As soon as you start apologizing, it's over. It's, it's, it's a really hopeless situation. Yeah. Also encouraging your spouse. Like, like I said, Jordan knows what I need sometimes more than I know what I need. And he'll be the one to kind of push me and be like, Hey, go have dinner, or go get out or go do something or let me take care of this. And I often am like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. But what truly matters is that he knows that I need some space. Like yeah. I need, I need time to myself, whatever that looks like. So it's important to, you know, respect that as well. What I hear you saying and what I've also watched you guys set an example of is a lot of grace. Like it's like having a lot of grace for each other when those boundaries aren't met or when you push past the boundaries. It wasn't always that way. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't always recognize <laughs> it. So it's good to hear from others, the outside like outside world looking in, like which is a reminder, the outside look world yeah. is looking they in. They watch, yeah. they watch. But no, we can, you could ask our longtime friends. You could ask them, have they seen a shift more in me than in Jordan? Because there was not a lot of grace in the beginning. If expectations weren't met, if boundaries were crossed, there was just, you know, frustration and anger and resentment and not a lot of communication. 
now, yeah, we definitely show some grace. I mean, I saw my moments of, you know, freaking out and having an anxiety ridden like response to something you've experienced that. We all have them. <laughs> to Jordan. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. In her home. In my kitchen. <laughs> but oh, you're right. At the same time, like I've also learned like you have to be real. You can't put a facade up. That makes that harder. And so Jordan showed me some grace. Also some, you know, firmness. Hey, like relax. Everything's going to be fine. But relax. 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 Because like, here's what happens. Like if you don't model that out of being imperfect, right? People on the outside are going to look in and be like, they're striving after this, this goal or this, whoever these people are. And it's just not real. It's just fake. Like, right. Right. It's not attainable. And then you, yeah, you become frustrated in your own relationships when you don't feel like you can mirror this beautiful example. Right. But that's why, you know, having an, people in your life that are actually authentic and vulnerable makes a difference. So I was reading in a book the other day, like you need friends that are good mirror holders. Yes. So like you need someone that can hold up a mirror and point out things in you that you need to be self-aware of. Right. And you need to be able to hear it and receive it and do better. Krista, I know you were excited to answer this question. So in your opinion, what kind of work makes a marriage successful? Okay. So I always say two things communication and sex. Those are two very vital pieces of your marriage. I just sit in here very quiet. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Yeah. Communication obviously is I'll number speak one. To communication. If you want to tackle the your your second one there. Okay. Happy to. Yeah. Go for it. Oh, you want me to tackle it right now? Yeah, I might as okay. well. Okay. All right. <laughs> Get the elephant out of the room. <laughs> so I grew up in the purity culture, right? So feeling as if, you know, my body was, you know, needing to be contained in a certain way. And then when I got married, it needed to be used for certain things. So I didn't have the healthiest version of what sex within marriage should look like. And to be transparent, there was a bit of a struggle in the beginning of our marriage. I looked at it as more as an obligation, not an opportunity. So it wasn't completely enjoyable for me, you know, for many reasons and and not anything to do with Jordan himself, um, just the mindset that I was brought up in. And then, you know, we walked through a season of infertility. So sex then became a job and obligation again. And so I just didn't have the healthiest mindset about sex and marriage. And then it just was one of those things that I had to just sit in front of the Lord and be like, okay, you meant it for marriage to be beautiful and great and enjoyable. That's what it should be, right? And so I just started, you know, I read a couple different books. And again, I I wanted to have conversations with people, but it still wasn't one of those things that many people talk about. I can't tell you how many conversations with women I've had since being more open about it because people don't always want to talk about it. It's one of those intimate things, but it doesn't have to be hush, hush. Talk about it, understand your body, but also understand that sex is a really beautiful connector. It's what draws you into each other. And I can honestly tell you, like, if we haven't been intimate that way for, you know, several days, like there's some tension that builds up and and sometimes you just, you need to connect in that way in order to just draw yourselves closer to one another. So it's an important part of marriage. It's not an obligation. It's an opportunity and it can be fun. It can be enjoyable. And it's one of those things you need to talk about too with your spouse. Don't just not talk about it. Have a conversation about it. All that rubber stamp of approval. Nice job. Thanks. I like that. You're not uncomfortable. Uh, You did pretty good. (laughs) You did pretty good. Do you want to talk about the communication side? I mean, I know we just kind of talked about it, but that's in my head what really sticks out. And so that does play into, you know, sex for sure. And it's, I think, relating it to sex is, I think, early part of our marriage for sure was like the expectation that, you know, (laughs) that the wife should just be all about it, right? Like he's a good looking dude, whatever, whatever have you. I'm not, I'm not... (laughs) Wow, that sounds self like You are a good looking dude. It's it's fine. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like the woman should just want the guy. And then there's a lot of like the bad identity that can come from that thinking. And then like for me, well, am I not good looking enough to like um, I always strive for like appearance, always have and not communicating those things and being like, "Ah, I'm just going to say it like, hey, it'd be good to have sex tonight. Like that's okay to say. And you understand. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions too for men and women. And if you're not educated or spending time communicating about those things, you don't fully understand where the other person's coming from. And that's a huge part of marriage is trying to understand where your spouse is coming from, not just, you know, feeling as if it's a, you know, an argument or 
a concern, but just yeah. a heart matter sometimes too. Yeah. So much of our, our, you know, our early conversation is like, uh, you're just not an object, right? But you are more than that. And I've, I've had to tell you so, so many times of like, there's just something special that happens in those moments that I can't even fully describe or we're, you know, put words to it, but to just reassure you, like, this is not just about, it's been a long time and we need to like, I need to do whatever, you know, like, (laughs) but this is like, you're absolutely beautiful. And, you know, just all the cliches of like the one person out of all this entire world that I, you know, want to choose and continually choose to be in this relationship with, but also be intimate with. And like, to me, that's like super important to tell you. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I need to know that I want to be on just you know, physicality and then I am important for, but for me, like, it, yeah, it, like it, obviously it is physical, but it goes beyond for me. Like I, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of like the oddball on this, but it's like, I feel so much emotion from it too. You're not the oddball. You're just, you're more emotional. I'm more of a tough guy. Like mm, I'm a feeler for sure. Yeah. Communication on all ends, super necessary for sure. So you guys have two kids and you're in ministry full time and you have dairy feeders and all these things that you guys do. How do you guys find time to connect? Do you schedule it? Do you, is it spontaneous? Like, how do you find that time? Oh boy. We're not the greatest at it. We're not the greatest. In the busy seasons, if we're being honest. It's like survival mode. Yeah. But I will say every single night after we put the kids to bed, we watch something together, watch a show together. We watch funny videos on Instagram or, you know, there's moments of connectivity there where we don't just like get on our phones and and turn away from each other. We lay in bed together for a good hour or more. And so I'm realizing that that that's not a common thing in marriages. And so That's just something that we've put into practice since having kids, the boys go to bed and then we go into our bed and we just spend time together. I think we had to sacrifice what we, what you think it should look like. Yes. Because you hear stress all the time, like date nights, go on date nights with your spouse. Like I a hundred percent agree, but that doesn't always work now that we have a middle schooler and fourth grader now that are both in sports that are both raising these uh, calves on a farm and there's other, yeah, like you said, pastor, church, um, you, you do leadership events and all that. It's, it's sacrificing what you thought it looked like. And so we'll do date days, uh, on, you know, I'm, I take off on Fridays, but there are times where like, Hey, I'm actually gonna get get off a couple hours early on a Friday and like, we'll go and spend time together. We'll go to Costco. Together. We do. Costco dates are the best. We love Costco. Costco dates. You spend $300 and you get to be with your <laughs> yeah. spouse. Yeah, Come on. exactly. Come on. Um, but I will say if, if you are young parents uh, starting a family, for us, we've never wavered in this fact that the the kids, uh, the kids will go down at a decent hour. For us during school year, it's 7.30, 7.45 for sure. So then we can connect because I mean, I'm not good at like 10 o'clock at night. I'm, I'm not a late guy anymore in my old age. But what is a, what we have established from the very beginning is like our kids are going to go. If we can get them in bed when we're home at a reasonable hour, they're going to go to bed. And that's not just to be selfish and spend time with one another. That's for their health. too. It's also important for their health. So, yeah, 100 percent. I just want to throw that out there. We we put them to bed with the recommended time that they should be getting at their age. But right now it benefits us. And then during the summer, you know, they can stay up a little bit later. We have allowed them a TV in the room. So we let them watch a little bit of TV on a timer and they're going to bed a little bit later. But we're still separating like we're you guys are going to, you know, watch an episode of Bluey on your own and we're going to go in our room and we're going to spend time together. So, but yeah, I think what you said about, again, like taking the pressure off of what it should look like, like Jordan is really good about saying, Hey, like you want to go sit on the porch with me or chains or where it's at. And so typically like I can find a million things to do even when there's nothing to do. So I used to very quickly be like, Oh, let me finish this or let me finish this. I need to do this. But sacrificing time to clean the kitchen when it doesn't really need to be cleaned and just being intentional and sitting on the porch with him. That is, you know, where we're finding time together. And it's sometimes mindless conversation, but it's important. So scripture tells us that we are to be equally yoked. And I think this is oftentimes twisted in scripture. So what do you guys think that looks like? Come on, Pastor Jordan. Let me hear your take on it. This is really good. Um, 
I think uh, when when Paul talks about it, it, is it out of Second Corinthians? I think it's like Second Corinthians chapter six, fourteen, which actually goes back to Deuteronomy, I think twenty two. Um, but I, for me, when I read that verse, because it, it talks about with the unchristian, right? And and what what I think is means for us is having the ability to share the burdens of life with each other. Yeah, that's that's where I feel strongly. You know, you could take like oh, one's weak or, you know, like whatever that may be, like this oxen is weak or you're weak or I'm weak and, and the other person's going to pull along. But I, I, I really think it's um, this ability to come alongside and to share. I think it's good to like have a foundation at yeah. established. I th- we're both individual people and I'm not saying you need to think like me, be like me, have my mindset whatsoever. But I do believe in a foundation that does have to be laid. That's that yoke that kind of goes across us. And then when we have that, we're able to then draw from that foundation, draw from those wells in which um, supply us yeah. what we need. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's an important to, yeah, like you said, have the foundation. I mean, we don't want to be in a relationship with somebody that is, doesn't believe the things that we believe. Not, We're not going to believe everything the same, right? But to have that foundation and that understanding that Jesus Christ is my first and foremost. And that is who, you know, I live for and serve. And and so we have that understanding, but I think there's so much put on that, that piece specifically. But I think Jordan had a good point. Like I look at it as like a team, like you need to be on the same team, right? And some days your teammate is going to be tired or injured or, or needing, you know, a break. And that's when you like shoulder that burden you can help carry him or her, you can help push them, you know, when they need to be pushed and encourage them or just hold their hand. So I look at it like a team. Yeah, we have that foundation. We have the same goal in mind, right? But at the end of the day, like there's going to be moments where I need him more than he needs me and vice versa. Yeah, Paul talks, he talks a lot about the renewing of the mind and just to be mindful that there are going to be things and distractions that will pull you away, try to pull you away from one another. And so a lot of what he's speaking to is within the marriage. But also, I think uh, I was reading a commentator where it says, be mindful of the, 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 the outside things that will begin to try to pull you apart away from the mission that God has for your marriage. Like God has a mission for us. And when we're both in, in line and have that foundation, but to be mindful, there will be things and they do that come across that we need to recognize and, you know, surrender to Jesus over and like, hey, this is this is not something that we value. And I'm just going to lay it at your feet, Jesus. Here you go. Take it. This is not mine. So what are your love languages? What's yours? Acts of service. That's my number one. And then affirmation, words of affirmation. I'm not your typical touchy feely girl. I don't need to be coddled or nope. super independent. Nope. We sleep with two separate, uh, uh, what do you call those Comforter. things? Like comforters on your bed. <laughs> Cause we don't like being close to one another. No, that's not when we, I said true. when we sleep, right? No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. When we sleep. Yeah. Anyways. I don't like to share things either. <laughs> so I don't like to share my blanket. But yeah, acts of service is 100% my number one. And and I'm, I still to this day, Jordan, like I am the worst at acknowledging that mm-hmm. and coming through for it, for sure. You, I mean, you're better for sure. Uh, you're better. But you're here again is the communication right. piece. I know what is important to me and I can't just expect him to meet all of those needs. I need to communicate with him. Sometimes it's an underlying jab of like, oh, I really wish you would have put all the dishes in the dishwasher away. And sometimes it's like, Hey, could you like work on the laundry for me? Or can you go do chores for me? Or I'll be like, I'm tired or my back hurts or I just like, I need a break. And yeah, then he'll come through. Does he always initiate it? No. Does he do better for sure? But again, there's that communication piece of helping him understand my needs and it's reciprocated because his love language is not my love language. And I, I don't do well at, you know, his number one quality time, quality time with you. No, that's really it. Honestly, like I, I took this, Oh, not so long ago, a couple months ago. Cause I typical guy, Oh, it's gotta be touch, you know, and touch some more and all that. But I took it and I was very, very surprised that quality time is number one quality time. And what but, was your second one? Words of affirmation. Okay. For sure. 
sometimes she's uh i mean i'm just no holding back here right no like go for it the girls got some got some claws with her words at times and so um to hear uh opposite and uh you know when she speaks life is just everything to me and i love it we're all a work in progress so the first, the first thing that God said was that it was not good during creation, like when he was creating, um, was for man to be alone. And that's how Eve became created from Adam's rib. Do you feel as though this relates to your marriage and how do you both serve God together versus serving him alone? I think at the very, very core, like recognizing this is a partnership in it, even though like right now, like, yes, I carry the title pastor that I bring her into that world. And she, I know that there's support there, but also she, she's like my, almost my springboard or (laughs) feels like my therapist at times as well of like, she can see a situation maybe that I'm encountering or going through and she can come at it with like a different lens. And that I think is so vital to understanding it within a marriage relationship that your spouse is going to see things different than you. And it's not always bad. Like it's not always a bad thing. Again, communication at the very front of it and know what, how that, like how your spouse receives those things is vital, but it may, we may come to the same conclusion. I may come to the same conclusion out of that situation or slowly, but surely she'll pick away at that, that wall that I built in that situation. And I'll be able to see what she's seen and be like, ah, that's God using you for my life and something that I wouldn't have seen. No, I agree. And that's a really good take too. I Absolutely. You know, I know that I couldn't do my life without Jordan, right? And not just because he is my spouse and my best friend, but I have learned how to love and honor and become more intentional with the father because of my relationship with Jordan. Jordan is like a tangible love here on earth, right? An extension of what God's love to us is supposed to look like, right? But that takes work. You know, it takes time with one another, quality time. It takes communicating. It takes grace. It takes forgiveness. It takes a lot of things that the father is constantly extending to us, but we don't always receive well. And so I think having a spouse does a really good job of helping us learn those specific pieces of the father, you know, in a a more tangible way that gives us proof that grace is extended, proof that forgiveness is, you know, handed to us without conditions. And so for me, it's been a really great way for me to fully understand the father's love for me through Jordan because he does love me unconditionally. I mean, he hasn't left, right? Like he, he deals with all of my imperfections and continues to choose me every day. And I think for me, you know, it helps me to receive the father's love even more having that kind of love here on earth with my best friend. Girl, we friends. <laughs> so oftentimes people forget to pray for their spouse, but that is so important. So what are ways or what are some things people can pray over their spouse? Uh, I thought about this one. And as I've watched you kind of walk through a lot of moments of just relational hardship and seeing kind of hurt from people or, you know, vice versa and all that, I think in those moments and since then, as well as like for you, just for spiritual growth to happen between you and Jesus. I don't know if there's a ranking order, but I really feel like in this season and I think the hunger that's I would love to see you get back at and even for our family is and just like spiritual growth. Lord, just like give her, give her your, you know, desires, give her your eyes for today. Does that always play out? I think, like you said, like it's, it's easy to forget. And as like, I'll just humble myself as even a title of a pastor, like you get super um, involved in other people's life. But I think you bring up a really good point, Jordan, of like, your spouse needs to be at the foremost, like your family, the family unit has to be at the, at the utmost importance of your praying over. And, and for you, it's spiritual growth. And I hope in some way, like, I, I mean, I've seen it out of you of just the, the desire to get back into the word, to pray, to spend moments in your day. I'll come in the house and like worship music playing. I love that because that used to be us way back in the old days. Yeah. And uh, just to see that rekindled again is like, Oh, it's everything. It's so good. So spiritual growth for me. I mean, That's yeah, it's huge. So the one thing that I pray over Jordan regularly is that he never stops pursuing the father. So I feel like, yeah, there's always a need for growth, right? There's always a need for continued growth in your relationship with each other and with the father. But I always want him to continue to pursue Jesus. I never want him to stop. I never want him to become complacent. But with that being said, I also pray protection over his mind and over his heart. Those are super important 
Because like he mentioned earlier, like there's going to be things that come against you, right? There's things that are going to come against your marriage. And there's going to be situations that alter your feelings and emotions. And if I'm being transparent, like sometimes, yeah, you start to wonder like, what is this worth? This relationship with Jesus and how much we're investing and how hard it can be sometimes, especially in the ministry world and a leadership capacity. Like you start to wonder like, well, I have had those moments where you start to wonder like, is this all worth it? Right. But recently the father was like, if not you, then who? So even though it's, you know, my own personal thoughts, like I know that the enemy can come in and deter us from what the father wants us to be pursuing. And so I just pray that over Jordan, that he never stops pursuing the father and protection over his mind and his heart so that, you know, those daggers that come flying in, they may, you know, unreal us for just a moment, but we have each other to like redirect and be like, okay, I see this in you. And I'm praying this over you, but also to like have the conversation, like, are you okay? Like what can be done? So yeah, that, that's just my regular prayer over my spouse. But I also recently just have been wanting Jesus to be enough for Jordan. I know being a pastor and being in ministry and leadership, there's a lot of things that you want out of that, or you want to see fulfilled in your church and in your community. And sometimes I think leadership and pastors kind of weigh their success on seeing some of this stuff fulfilled, which is, you know, not a bad thing, right? I'm not saying like, don't weigh your success on seeing people come to know Jesus or seeing people grow in their relationship with the father. But I, I'd want Jesus to just be enough for him. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, if he doesn't see a change in anything, that's okay. Like Jesus is there, Jesus is in it and that's enough. And so that that's been my, my recent prayer. Wow. I've been trying to distract myself so I don't cry. So <laughs> I'm pulling my leg hair. I'm swatting at a fly. Um. <laughs> There's the emotional Jordan for you. Yeah. So, so your prayers are going to, they're going to deviate, you know, as you go along. But I think it's important to have your baseline. Like, what do you want for your spouse? For sure. Right. And then to be mindful of, you know, whatever they're going through and how, how you can carry that burden with them. And yeah, bringing that to the father on their behalf. Cause sometimes like he said, spiritual growth for me, right. I'm kind of in this season of like, I'm content, which is not where I ever want to be. But the truth is, is I'm content. I'm burnt out a little bit. I'm tired. We're in a busy season. There's a lot on my plate professionally and ministry wise and volunteer stuff for each stuff. So there's a lot that I'm just kind of like coasting through. So knowing that he is praying that for me just excites me and urges me more to continue to like push forward. Hey, if the Lord puts you on my mind, here's what I've learned. If in anything, if the Lord puts something on your mind, take the step and pray. Yeah, I yeah, even, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not talking about, I was going to say small. I'm trying not to use those words small or big in my life, but like if it's just the morning, if it's, if it's something you're, I don't know, I, if you're something you're going through, however big or small, if it's on your mind, give it to the Lord. So we might ruffle some feathers with this question, but how can you fight fair in marriage? Fight fair. Yeah. I, I wrote, or my, in my head, I was thinking like arguments, they're not bad, right? It's just, that's exactly right. Like, how do you fight fair? We're not always the greatest yeah. girl got, like I said, girl got some words to her for sure, yeah. <laughs> but ah, we're, we're learning. I think is, it is, must be a theme as much as communicating you can do throughout the journey of life helps in those moments of disagreements that then turn into arguments because yeah. where, where I think the, the miss or the turn comes in, in my life, or I don't, I don't want to speak for you, but this my life is when I haven't been clued in on something. And I think I know, I assume things I'm really good at assuming the worst out of situations or people or anything. And so you best bet, like you're going to get my full emotion on it. Um, but as much, as much as we can get clued in on the front end of things and bring people along on your journey or that situation or that person or those finances, whatever it may be, if you can bring somebody in on it. I, I, the, the little bit that we've done, it's it's much easier to have those disagreements. And then I can take those disagreements as, oh my goodness, like that earlier question you said, it's like, I get to see the lens in which you're viewing it from. Yeah. Like that's the whole thing of Adam and Eve, right? And so coming to it in that that extent, and it's not belittling the person, it's not talking down to them, like it's not any of that. You got to leave that yeah. to the wayside. That's what I'm good at. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I think, and I don't know if it's, you know, the Japanese in me, the you're you just know, a, feisty, you're just strong, girl. strong like willed, you're just a whatever. Strong woman. I, um, yeah, my, and, and honestly, you know, after years of therapy, I've learned that my fight or flight, right. My fight has always been to protect myself 
if you will, from, you know, anything growing up, living with spina bifida, you just kind of have your own challenges. And so I needed to be strong. I needed to protect myself from hurtful comments and kids. And so like, I just learned really quickly that the easiest way to do that is to fight with hurtful words because it gets them to back off. Right. And so that was my learned trait. And is that healthy? Absolutely not. But learning that that was, you know, the reason why I respond the way that I do helps me to, you know, recognize it. I don't always do the best at recognizing it right away. I'm great at criticizing and being rude and just like kind of blowing up, if you will. That's just part of my makeup, right? But you know, we're 15 years in, right? 19 years in total. And you learn as you go. And so I think the number one thing to remember, you know, when you're fighting is try to remember you're not fighting against each other. What you're fighting about is is a common situation that you're fighting for or fighting about. What's the thing of like never go to bed, like upset or whatever? Yeah, but I'm, for I'm me, real big on that. Don't go to bed angry. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I was just going to say like, no, if you need to take a time out too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's huge too. You have to know your partner. I I realized for myself, I have, I'm a processor more. And so when I can't have time to process, you best bet I'm going to get, you're going to get all the raw and unfiltered, which is good at times. But in these moments, especially with your spouse, that stuff can, that can can jar her. Yeah. Yeah. And so I need to process a little bit more. And so honestly, even if that is a night or if that is the next morning, like a timeout is, (laughs) sorry, people are going to probably fight against that. But that's kind of what I've learned for myself. And it might be unique, but it's okay to take a time out. I'm the type of person that's like, let's get this done and over with. But as you learn and as you grow, you realize what your spouse's needs are. And yeah, he for sure has to take a moment. I also need like a moment, like in the heat, like I need space so that I can calm myself down and like make sure that I'm responding in a in a way that's healthy and and not, you know, damaging. So whereas he needs to process things, I need space where I'll be like, can you just go away for a minute? Like, give me a minute because I need to calm down because otherwise it's just going to spiral and I'm ugly. Krista comes out. The other thing that I've learned with fighting is if you're fighting, focus on the present. Like, don't be bringing up past hurts and past situations, which I'm really good at doing. (laughs) Try not to keep score. Yes. And for some reason, like when you're in those moments, like it's so easy to just grab and pull and throw them out. Right. But that's not helpful. So focus on the present. Talk about, you know, what you're actually fighting about and leave that stuff in the past. Like you've already worked through it. Right. And if you haven't, then figure it out. But focus on that and listen to one another. Try to understand each other's perspectives and don't criticize and put each other down. Again, I'm great at that. So I'm a work in progress and always apologize. Like if you're in the wrong, admit it and say you're sorry. I'm great at being like hard and like I don't do anything wrong. So I've had to learn over the years like to be humble and and say I suck. I'm I'm sorry. And Jordan's great at apologizing. Like, because I'm the one who screws up a lot. I get it. <laughs> no. <laughs> I just, you know, fight so hard to make him apologize. And that's not always healthy, but fighting fair in a marriage and arguing fair is not always easy. But when you are committed to respecting each other's opinions and feelings, then it seems to go a little bit easier. So oftentimes people avoid conversations because it can cause tension, it can cause conflict, can be uncomfortable. What advice do you have for couples on how to navigate that like hard, those hard conversations? Uh, this could be real quick. I, you got you to gotta lean into vulnerability. That's really what I'm good at. And uh, I know it's different than, let's say, a lot of guys, but you got to let your spouse like into your world. Stop keeping them separate. Stop trying to, you know, feel like you need to um, be this, build that. Let them in. And when your failures come, when it's going to be awkward, when there's struggle, bring them in. It gets a lot easier. And so lead into vulnerability. Um, it's only going to help. It's not a weakness. It's only going to help. Yeah, I agree. I don't have much of an issue like having hard conversations or conversations that will cause conflict. I'm definitely more of an aggressive type of conversationalist, if you will. But the vulnerability piece is huge. I think just making sure that you are creating that space and remembering that your spouse should be your number one safe space, right? Yeah. So you should be able to share anything and everything with them. And if you can't, 
can't. You need to figure out why. What's blocking that? I had a conversation with a friend not that long ago and I just explained to her, like, start practicing having hard conversations, vulnerable conversations. Start practicing having those, number one, with the father. Like verbalizing some of the things that you need to share with your spouse. Like just sit down with Jesus and start saying it out loud. Like practice it. Look in the mirror practice it. But your spouse should be creating a safe space for you so that you can trust those moments when you do like share the things that are hard and may or may not cause some conflict. But again, like if if you can't, then yeah, you got to figure out why and work on that because there's some sort of blockage there that you want to push through and break down. That wall is is not healthy. That wall is not important. That wall needs to be removed so that you can be completely vulnerable and authentic with your spouse. Hard conversation or good conversation. I think that's great. Do you have any books, resources, Instagram accounts, you know, whatever that you guys have found helpful and related to having a good godly marriage? Yeah. So I follow marriage 365 on Instagram. They have some really good tips and reminders for men and women, um, wives and husbands. I really like that Instagram account. Sheet music is a book that I recommend to friends that, you know, really want to learn more about having fun, beautiful sex within marriage and kind of breaking away from whatever stigma they were taught or just learning to become more comfortable in their marriage with that. And then there's, I feel like there's a couple like pastors that we follow. I know we both follow like Rich and Don Sherry Wilkerson. And then Judah and my boy Judah, Judah and Chelsea Smith out of, uh, out of LA at this point or Seattle, they do marriage Monday, hashtag marriage Monday on Instagram. And so they're, they're fun. They kind of give that like edge that you wouldn't, uh, that, that I just find so great as, as a pastor, but also seeing from another pastor, that little edge, you're like, Whoa, this is like, this is, uh, this is, this is good stuff that needs to hear that you wouldn't think no way a pastor would say that. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like, yeah, they're being real and they're showing us what you're walking through or what you're experiencing experiencing is it's real life and we're we're real life people with you so and the lescos the lescos are really good too man we're just shouting out tons of people love you all the other thing i want to recommend too and this is something i said earlier there's three things number one find a couple that you can look up to that you can learn from and be encouraged by find a couple that you are in a similar season with So when you are walking through moments that are hard and and another couple is in that kind of same season, you have somebody to kind of share it with, bounce it off of, and then find a couple that you can help encourage. Because when you are learning and growing, you don't want that just to be, you're done. Like you need to be able to extend that and show that and help others in that. And so I think that's super important as well. Not just, you know, Instagrams or books, like your community are going to be a huge part of how successful you are. That's awesome. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you guys want to say before we close out? And hopefully you just, you don't need to build two separate lives, you know, like God joined you together for a reason, bring one another into, into your everyday and share the struggles, share where you, um, where you feel like you're not adding up, but also, also, also sharing the joy. And, um, I think so much of this culture is so built upon negativity hear and see it all the time. And those are some of the first things out of our mouths and situations, but going after the the joy and the good things of life and sharing in those as well. God can do a lot with, with good things, right? And with that, like, yeah, be your spouse's number one advocate, their number one encourager. And, you know, as you find yourselves in friendships and relationships, Um, with people in your community, protect your spouse, protect their reputation. Don't divulge every piece of information that you want to like vent about. Yeah. Have, have the ability to vent, but protect your spouse. Always remember that what you're sharing can deter someone's um, opinion of your spouse and you don't ever want that to happen. I'm not saying keep things secret. If you need to get a, you know, a counselor or you need a pastor to share certain things with, by all means, go that route. But don't ever demean your spouse in front of your friends or your family and make them your best friend. That's the thing I've learned over the last couple of years. Like, yeah, I've had some really, I have some really great best friends, right? Girlfriends. But Jordan has become my best friend over the course of the last few years. And it has been transformative in the way that I look at him, the way that I lean in on him. And again, like that's how we want a relationship with the father to be like. So it's been really good. 
All right. Well, we end every episode with some rapid fire questions. So let's get started. Uh, I like this. This is this might be my favorite part. All right. What is your go to coffee order? Iced coffee with cream and brown sugar cinnamon syrup. Your boy don't do anything like that. Give me a good pour over specifically. Uh, give me a floral note to a pour over. Oh Come my gosh. on. I mean, we're going specific. I mean, just yeah. give me some flavored coffee and I'm good. But he's a coffee snob. Let's a lot be of real. caffeine. All right, what's the last thing you guys watched on Netflix? Oh, last thing. Together, The Outer Banks. Yeah, you think Although so? Although we haven't finished it. Yeah. Yeah, probably. At least on Netflix. Yeah, on Netflix. And then separately, I just finished a documentary called Take Care of Maya. It's pretty intense. Is it scary? No, 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 no. It sounds it's, scary. It's, you know. Weird. Medical sounds world stuff. Mm. It is. It's good. It gives you an eye opening to, Ooh. you know, the medical world and pass. the authority that Hard pass. they have, unfortunately. Right on. Uh, Tour de France. Uh, there's a Unchained documentary on it. I know. It's great. I love it. Documentaries. Love them. So if someone wrote a book about your life as a couple, what would the title be? Oh, as a couple. He got the older girl. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Uh, There's got to be there's you can that could be the subtitle. Perseverance wins. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that'll do. That's way better. He got the older girl. (laughs) (laughs) If our guests want to follow you, where can they find you? Oh man, what's my hash? What or my my your handle? My, my at uh, Jordan Kearns on Instagram. I'm 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 private right now, so yeah, we're both private, which is we're struggling with like do we do we go public? You know, yeah. so we just had this conversation actually because yeah, once you go public, then you know it leaves room for creepers and you know social media in itself is a whole whole other ball game, a world of temptation. So we're private. I do have a website though. It's gratefulimperfections.com. So there's life updates and little pieces of, you know, information. And truth, yeah. And truth. And yeah, a a very small look into our lives. But yeah, if you want to follow us, number one, come get to know us. Yeah, send us a DM too. That that would be helpful. Sliding into your DMs though is not like... Like, hey, I'm not no... Like, I'm not some random so I can click, you know, like most of the time I decline the the request, so... Yeah, I'm I'm very like hesitant with social Media. I heard you on, you know. That's true. Jordan is more open about it all than I am. I struggle with, you know, trust. Yeah, because you put pictures of me shirtless on your Instagram I mean, profile. Like, hello? come on. It's awkward. It's, no. you know, he's a hottie. Jeez. I can't help myself. Oh, my goodness. Well, guys, thanks so much for being here. I have loved talking to you guys. Well, thanks for having us. We love you and appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, Jordan. You're the best. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe, share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Our podcasts are edited by Nick Berkey. If you have a story you want to share, please reach out through the forum on Instagram. I pray that you can take action this week and make a splash. 